crank it up and embarrass your children. The Roar, where every day is game day. Press box. Thanks for joining us today. 654-7627. Word out of the college ball playoff executives meeting yesterday that occurred uh, with a bunch of um, high-powered folks, commissioners, and people that make all the big decisions in college football is that there was a lot of let's throw stuff on the table and just sort it out and see what we think. Now, nothing was you know, even remotely decided. I bet probably didn't spend more than half an hour on distribution model because you can't come up with a distribution model of revenue until you come up with a model of what you're going to do. Now, the word on the street is that they discussed expanding the college football playoff beyond 12. We haven't even had a season with 12 yet. That will be beginning this fall, and there's already talks of expansion. Brad, we, we haven't even gone 48 hours after the 5 plus 7 model was approved before we're already trying to get more teams into this thing. Wh- when yes. is it going to be enough? Never. Never. I now, mean, it's just the disease of needing more. It, it just <laughs> it won't ever stop. What, what bothers you about uh, the... Now, the options are on the table they threw out. They, they just started throwing out random stuff, basically. It was like, well, maybe we'll go to 14. Maybe we'll go to 16. Some some commissioners and leagues are even talking about more than 16. It was just sort of a, let's throw everything out there. And I, I think some of this was on purpose. It's posturing. It's seeing what the PR is on this, what the responses are. The four, it's a, a lot of trial balloons that they're floating out now, there. I will, I will say it is their job to exhaust all options. I, I don't have a problem with them bringing up, hey, what if we did this, what if we did that, what would it look like? Ultimately, what they decide on, very far from, from there. But do you have a problem with them expanding the field? I don't necessarily have a problem with them expanding the field. I just have a problem with them constantly tinkering with it. That's we, we've thing. argued yeah. about 5 plus 7 versus 6 plus 6 for two years. And then we finally have resolution over a two-year argument. We're immediately starting another one. Like, I don't care if it's 12, if it's 16, if it's 24, whatever the number is. Pick it, decide it, let's lock it in, and move on. See, this is what I didn't understand about going to 12. Was, there was, from people that I talked to in in the industry, there was an an inevitable feeling that it will be more at some point. So it's like, why are we doing at some point? Why are we latching that on at the end of a sentence? If it's going to be more, just make it more. Get to a number, settle on it, and go for a decade with it. Why we have to go with 12 to begin with made no sense. I, I, 12 was just some random number somebody came up with, it feels like. Because well, wasn't it, If correct me if I'm wrong, but was it not, wasn't Greg Sankey who came up with the 12? I think so, or at least the one that pushed for it. Because initially the push was eight, and he's like, that's not enough teams, we need more. Yeah. But what, what I don't understand is 
before we even settled on 12, people were talking about more. And then now they've settled on 12 for two years, and they're already talking about more. I, I knew this was coming. I, I predicted this two years ago that they're going to try to expand it even more. So just like you said, figure it out and go with it. But why we even started at 12? John, they had enough time. Why couldn't they sit down and go, all right, what, what's a real, what's a good number? Like, what's a fair and balanced number to make this thing make sense? Eight, is it clean? Yes. Eight but, is clean, but it doesn't benefit the super games. conferences. Not, well, no, but it's also not enough games, in my opinion. Not enough inventory to go to eight. Well, I also think if, you're try, if we're truly trying to make a playoff and not an invitational, you do need more than just playing three games to sort it out. Yes. I, I agree with you there. Yeah, from an inventory perspective, and if, if the goal is to determine a true national champion, even though we've never tried to do that over 100-plus years of the sport. Nah, we don't care about that. So I, I get that it needs to be more than eight. I'm fine with that. I don't really care what the number ends up being. My biggest gripe is the constant changing in politicking to have different numbers. I've talked about this for several years. It's the change fatigue that I have in the sport. We've been tinkering and messing with this sport for like five years now. But that's because there's too many voices. There's too many people at the table. There's too many just variant ideas and and people that don't want to commit to this because they want this and everybody's got their everybody thinks they've got the way to fix college football every one of the people at the table think that they know what's best and a lot of times it's very differing ideas it's a problem when there's not somebody who's in charge of implementing these things and it may be they all want to get to the same conclusion but to get uh, the path is vastly different and we're going to play that out in real time with this college football playoff. Do, does it expand beyond 12 But by the time we get to 2026? Yes. Do you think we get 14 or 16 or more? 16. A, B, or C? Well, I'm going to go with 16 for right now. But that is subject to change. That's my hope is that we get to 16. I Like I said, I don't care what the number is. Just pick it and let's sit with it because this is... Just don't, I mean, we're, we're constantly changing the for the coaches, the ads, the administrators, for everybody who puts together these teams, these schedules, the the calendars for these universities. That just don't do fourteen because because if you do fourteen, you're going to go to sixteen. So don't do fourteen. Fourteen would be the dumbest thing that, that these people could do. It'd be the biggest mistake they could make. Which means it's what they're going to do. Then we'll do fourteen for four years, and then we'll expand to sixteen, and then we'll do that for a couple years. Then we'll expand to 24. But I think there's a number where it can't go past. Like, I think the basketball tournament, for example, has reached a threshold that it cannot expand past this. Except they want to expand it. I, I just don't see how you can realistically expand past 68. And if you think about it, yeah, they've done the first four in, you know, the playing games. But they haven't really truly expanded the NCAA tournament mightily in, in decades. Do you think one of the reasons they're avoiding 16 is they don't want to look like they're copying FCS? Ooh. They're superior to that, to that kind of. There could be a part of it, and I also think there title. there may be some of what do we do with these conference championship games because of the money that's tied into them because of the, you know the, ACC championship brought to you by Doctor Pepper. You know, so, like you have so all those. What you're saying is having too many 
spots, if you have 16 spots, it, it really devalues the conference championships. It makes them, in my mind, almost pointless. Because we don't, we don't do a conference championship game for the SOCON before they go into well, to your the point, FCS playoffs. To your point, you could just take the two teams that make the conference championship games, and there's eight right there. Yeah, four four of your, you know, four power five, four, four power five, four power four leagues. You take the two teams that make the championship game. They're calling ah, and they're but see, but in. see, that, Brad, that's half your field. But see, there's a problem with that. Why are the SEC and the Big Ten going to vote yes on that? Why would they want the second place? No, no, no. To- no that's, that's not what I mean. I'm not saying that'd be a prerequisite. I'm saying that's that's how it would be looked at. If you just make it there, you're a tournament team. So, therefore, it devalues that game. I, I, okay, I see what you mean there. Yeah. yeah I, I get the point. Unless you're, you're a 6-6 six and six team that snuck in somehow. But that's not, gonna, that's not likely in the, in the P4s. Well, and plus, we scrapped these divisions. Right. So, like, you can't make a title game at, with an 8-4 and four overall record. Right. Unless so, your league's atrocious. But it would be looked at as, well, then what, why are we playing the conference championship game? It, it, and it, I also think at some point, something is going to have to give for player safety argument. Because if we keep adding all of these games, at some point something has to give. You mean you got to pay them? Let's well, go. <laughs> either we eliminate some of the games, or we have to pay them one or the other. It's amazing how safety issues get thrown out the door when money gets presented. Remember that used to be the that used to be the sole reason we couldn't have more than four teams. That was the sole reason we couldn't have a playoff to begin with for years. The BCS model works because player safety. Then we we introduced four. We can't expand it. Player safety, and now they're going. How much are you want to pay? Did you say that was seven point eight with, with a B? With a B. Player player say what? Oh, buckle up, those chin straps, boys. Y'all playing more games? Player safety. We're gonna pay them when once you give us seven point eight billion. We're gonna start paying the players. We don't have to worry about that. They're already making nil money. So who, who cares about player safety anymore? That's not what I think. That's what. No, I agree with you, and it's amazing how much that narrative has changed over just the last couple of years since NIL has been implemented. <laughs> you don't even hear it anymore. No. I promise you, if I would have sat down with an athletic director seven years ago and said, um, you're going to a 16-team playoff in, in a decade, he'd have been like, mm, You're going to be playing football to the end of January. Player safety. School. School. They have to go to class. we got to get in. we got to start a new semester. Can't have that. Not now. When does that ever come up in any conversations? No, and if you try to bring it up, you're you're scoffed at. Ah, scoff. Let's go to Delvin. He's up next. Hey, Delvin, how are you this morning? Did we lose you, Delvin? Yeah, we lost Delvin somehow. Delvin, get back in. 654-ROAR, we'll put you up. 654-ROAR, you want to get in with us here today. I, that's That's what really grinds my gears. Is that the whole thing that we use we no longer use because money. Not because safety changed. Not the game didn't get healthier and safer. Money got bigger. So we had to throw out our excuses and forget about them. And that's sort of where we're at. Uh, let us know what you think. 654-ROAR. Do you want 12? Do you want 14? Do you want 16? Do you want 24? You're not going backward. We're not going to 8 and we're not going back to 4. That's can we go to two? No, we're not going back to the BCS model either. When in the world has anything ever gone backward? It hasn't. Never. And they're not going to take. They're going to make less money on purpose just to 
make the tournament decisions. If there's better. one if there's one guarantee I can give you about college athletics is they're not going to voluntarily take less money. They're not going to turn down cash. Neither would you. Delvin's up next. Delvin, how you doing? I'm not good. Sorry about that, guys. I was doing two times in a But first of all, a couple of things. First of all, I'm just, why don't we just get the person who's, who's in charge of the LCS playoffs and put them in charge of the college football playoffs? I see because they see that they apparently know how to get it right. And the people in the FBS level know how to get it right. Oh, they've had it right for a long time now. Yeah. Just get them in charge of it. Say, hey, let us take care of this. Since y'all don't know how to do it, y'all acting like children, we can do it. Look at look what we've been, we've been doing it for the past, I don't know how many years. They should. So let them put, put them in charge of it since they know how to do it right and stuff. So that, that's my opinion if you want to explain it. And second, guys, I, I was in the doctor's office yesterday, so I didn't get to talk about it yesterday. What do you think about Sean Elliott's comments that he said he reached out to Sacramento about the job? What do you, what do you think about those comments that he, that he reached out to them, that, that they didn't reach out to him about the job? That's interesting. Yeah, well, I think – I mean, I think that makes sense. I, I I don't think that Shane Beamer was putting together his short list and had a sitting head coach probably on it for his tight end position. But I, I think Elliott had been waiting for an opportunity to get back to Columbia, and you know we we sort of talk. I mean, we sort of I guess guessed on his reasoning what it would end up being when he got in front of the media, and he said it had nothing to do with NIL and and all the challenges there. It was. The fact that he just wanted to get back home with his family, and I, I think that made the most sense. But yeah, I mean, it, it is weird to hear a sitting head coach reach out to another sitting head coach about an assistant position. Yeah, and uh, it's interesting who George State might look at on on uh, who they looking at. It'd be interesting who, who take their job now because they're gonna they got a good recruiting area. But man, it's almost about spring ball for these guys. And Chris basketball got out to a high start. That's saying that's that's the kind of start they need, man. Like they did against Duncan. It's like they. You guys brought up yesterday. I listened to you guys in and out. They play seem like they play better on the road than they do at home. I don't know what that is. I don't know why they can't get out to the hot start like they do on the road. I don't know what that is. They need to bring that bring that hot start home to for state. I, I I just can't figure it out. Other than there's just some teams are more focused when they are on the road. Maybe there's less distractions, and it's just you and your your boys and. I, I don't know, but there's no reason that Clemson should be starting the way they've started out in games. I think you're right. That's the key. It's how they've started out because they just look. I mean, you, you go back to Syracuse, you look at Georgia Tech. This team came out firing and just looked in tune and, and ready to go. And then you go look at Virginia and, and you know, this, um, this NC State. A little slow, a little sluggish, took a little too much time to get going. Yeah, but yeah, that was interesting. But like I said before, guys, just get the, I don't know who's charging the LCS player. Just get them put them in charge of college football player. They'll get it right. I hear you, Delvin. I appreciate you getting in today. Thanks for the call. Yeah, yeah, thanks for my call, guys. Yeah, I, I think the FCS has had it right for a long time. I think that if maybe some powers that be had swallowed their pride years ago, maybe be a little bit different setup. Let's go to Brody and Green where we take a break. Hey, Brody, how are you? Hey, how you doing this morning? Doing well. We'll talk about the playoffs just a little bit. I think we've got to look out big picture because you were talking about, you know, 12, 14, 16, 24. But since the big two, the Big Ten and the SEC, are eventually going to go to 24 teams minimum. So you're going to have to divide those into divisions, and it'll probably be divisions of six, which means you'll have four divisions in each conference. So that's eight positions that could be potential division champions within the two sets. So that's going to eat up a good bit of the, the playoff. 
So we have to go further from there and then to decide how many does the Big 12 or if the ACC is left, how, how many do they get, and what about the at-large, the Notre Dame's, places like that. So probably 24 is going to be a more realistic number, and I hate that. I really do. It's, it's too many games. I hate that we got a too long of a playoff and we do away with conference championships. Yeah, I don't. What I don't do like twenty. Yeah, I don't. I don't like twenty four. I mean, talk about. Uh, there's no other way to 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 devalue. Thanks, Brady, for the call. No other way to devalue the conference season, the regular season, than doing something like that. Twenty four just takes away. John, there'll be there'll be a handful of games on a Saturday you don't even care about anymore. You know, Texer gets in here. Something I appreciate about college football is every game in the regular season is essentially a playoff game. Every game matters and every game holds weight. The more teams that you put into a playoff, the less the regular season games matter. That's true. The individual weeks will not hold as much weight, and that is one of the beauties of college football is how every week is do or die. It's it's one of the only sports that that's really the case. When we come back. Ryan Roberts is going to join us to talk NFL Draft. Don't go anywhere. Jim was at the laundromat when he heard his ear said, Maraca, senor, but his nose said, hey, freshest scent ever. Following his nose, Jim found a man pouring gain scent beads into the washer. The scent, the freshness. Jim blurted, sir, your scent Maraca smell amazing. You could call them scent Maracas, but most noses call them gain scent beads. Try Gain Scent Beads, way fresher than detergent alone. Looking for a job with a company that's focused on family? Glen Raven's Anderson Plant, maker of high-quality Sumbrella products, is hiring now. As a family-run company offering competitive hourly rates to help you support your family, you'll enjoy premium benefits, including a pension program and much more. You'll qualify for a $1,500 sign-on bonus, and once you're hired, if you refer someone who gets hired, you'll get a $2,000 referral bonus, too. If you're experienced or willing to be trained, apply today at join.sumbrella.com. Dr. David Maruz, D.C. in Greenville, South Carolina, is here to guide you on your journey toward a pain-free life from peripheral neuropathy. And here's the exciting news. Take advantage of their limited time offer. Your initial Sumas laser treatment is just $79. Take the first step towards a brighter future. Call 864-292-6777 now to schedule your consultation with Dr. David Maruz, D.C. And schedule your initial treatment for only $79, absolutely commitment-free. Relieve peripheral neuropathy pain now. The Dream Center is more than a building. They serve those in need with a hand up instead of a hand out by empowering them to grow toward becoming healthy and self-sufficient through life skill classes, job training, mentorship, and a housing program called the Opportunity Village. Want to get involved? It's easy. Sign up to attend a volunteer orientation or how you can serve with your school group, corporation, or individually. The Dream Center, where they encourage, educate, and empower. Learn more today at dreamcenterpc.org. Spring cleaning is always first thing on the to-do list this time of year, so don't forget yourself. Roosters is here to remind you how important it is to keep your hair and face fresh and clean this season. Roosters has a full menu of what you need for male grooming this spring to check that off of your list. Don't forget to set your next appointment with the professionals at Roosters on Pelham Road in Greenville by calling 884-8920. Gift cards are always available at Roosters. Give the gift that keeps on giving. 
I'm Will Davis with the Davis Law Group. Davis Law Group offers comprehensive family court services across the state. If it's in family court, we handle it. From emergency custody cases to dividing millions of dollars in assets, we're the team you want in your corner. We help hardworking dads secure time with their kids. We help dedicated moms and wives achieve financial stability. We have the honor of helping build non-traditional families through adoption and third-party custody cases. We believe that families come in all shapes and sizes. Contact us today at davis.law. Let us see how we can help. Harbin Lumber Company has been helping build dreams since 1917, proudly serving our local communities for over 100 years for all your building material needs. With spring around the corner, now is the time to think about a new deck or deck remodel or screen porch. Have it completed so you can enjoy the great outdoors. Visit HarbinLumber.com or call us at 706-356-4300 and let us show how we can help with your vision. That's 706-356-4300. Wake up, breakfast, and nature-made vitamins. Whatever your morning sounds like, nature-made fits right in. Whether you're looking for vitamin C or a multivitamin to get key nutrients, we've got you covered. Now that's a good morning. We take care of you so you can take on your day. Start your day with nature-made, the number one pharmacist-recommended vitamin and supplement brand. Based on a survey of pharmacists who recommend branded vitamins and supplements. Powered by Upcountry Fiber, we are 105.5 and 97.5 The Roar. Providing fiber internet, HDTV, and phone service, Upcountry Fiber is a stronger connection. Your flagship station for Clemson men's basketball, 105.5 and 97.5. We are The Roar, where every day is game day. We're back here live on the Roar, the press box with Brad and John, 10:25 a.m. on this Thursday edition. The NFL scouting combine gets underway in Indianapolis next week, so all eyes will be on the upcoming draft, 2024 class. We'll talk about that and more with Ryan Roberts. You can check over on Twitter at Rise in Draft. That's Rise in Draft. Ryan Roberts does a great job. Uh, of covering everything going on with uh, NFL prospects. And he's a scout over at CGSA All-Star. And he joins us live now uh, to get some thoughts on what's going to happen here in the upcoming combine. Ryan, how you doing this morning? I'm good, Brad. I'm good. How's everything on your end? Things are going really well. Uh, we're starting to turn our attention more to draft season. Uh, John and I have been pouring over mocks more off the air than on, but we've been really kind of getting ramped up for draft season on the combine being the, the kind of premier event uh, to really get our, our minds churning with that. Uh, what are you just, just your general thoughts on this draft class and this group of, of collegiate players, you got a lot of, 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 I guess, old heads, if you will, <laughs> guys who've been in the game for many, many years, you know, with the extra COVID year and whatnot, how that's changed yep. the draft. Uh, and then just, you know, the the always push to find the next great quarterback, and there's always a handful of teams trying to do that. How do you just assess in, in totality what this class is going to be in 2024, maybe compared to some other years? Is it more talented, less talented? Where, where are the strengths? Where are the weaknesses? Well, man, I'll tell you, it, it's kind of been a roller coaster covering the NFL draft over the last couple of years because, like you said, with the extra COVID year and, you know, the additional years of eligibility, it's it's – it's been wild because, honestly, the landscape can transform very quickly, and it can evolve very quickly, and it can 
just change rapidly. It really can. I mean, luckily after 2025 NFL draft, we can start to regulate things a little bit and get back to the normalcy and be able to predict things a little bit better. But for, for this class, it's actually opposite of what you would think um, in terms of with the extra COVID year, you would think that there'd be a little bit of a log jam at, at a point of just a high volume of players. This class is not the deepest class um, that we've seen over the last couple of years. I mean, especially last year, last year, I, I feel like it was a whole lot deeper than this class. I will say just kind of overall pulse in this class is I really like it at the top. It's going to have more first round draft picks than I had last year. Just raw draft first round grades going to have more than the year before so i think it's going to be a nice draft up, up, up at the top i think you're going to get a lot of quality of depth at the very top of the class but it falls off the table pretty quick uh, especially at certain positions i mean there's there's some where i'm just like you know i really love the top but then quickly very quickly it drops off like tight end is an example of one of those classes interior offensive line is one of those classes as well where it's just like top heavy but just falls off the cliff so I think that the top of the class is very good. You know, offensively, if you need a quarterback at the top, you're in good shape. If you wait for one, you're probably going to be in a bad spot. Wide receiver is a, another really deep class. Offensive tackle is a really deep class. So you get to your defensive line. Defensive line in general is a pretty dang good class just in general. And then cornerback is probably the deepest one outside of that. So uh, top heavy, but it really does taper off, and it's, it's a little bit of a lack of depth as a class in its entirety this year. We'll get more into it in terms of some of the quarterbacks. I want to get your thoughts on them. But first, uh, let's move over to the Clemson Tigers. Six guys will be at the Combine yep. next week. And I know you, you look at a lot of the Clemson players. I know you, you've in past years we've had you on, you've been fond of, of several of the guys. Let's start at the top. Nate Wiggins, you know, as yep. good as Jeremiah Trotter Jr. was last year, as good as some of those defensive tackles were, I think Nate Wiggins might have been Clemson's best defensive player, and I think the draft's going to reflect yep. some of that. But cornerback is a position where if you feel like you can get a guy that is going to to start right away and play for you for many years, you really covet that. So what kind of player is Nate Wiggins, and what does he need to do uh, to help his, his stock even more? Uh, man, he's outstanding. He really is. I, I remember going back to the summer real quick, you know, before, you know, a little bit of summer scouting. I remember watching Nate Wiggins for the first time, and I was just like, I think the kid's fantastic, you know, an incredible talent. But I think he was kind of overshadowed in the fact that Clemson's secondary wasn't quite as good in 2022 as it was in 2023. I thought that the unit as a whole kind of took a step forward. And I, but, so I kind of felt like that overshadowed the fact that Nate was really good in 2022. And he's even better in 2023. I mean, you kind of, when you draw up what you need in a corner, you obviously talk about height, length. He's six foot two. He's going to be a pretty long player. I think he has a really good combination of long speed and twitch. But he, the thing that kind of separates him for me is that for a guy that is six foot two, that's a little bit of a long-legged dude. You expect them to not be able to change direction very well, and or at least not as well as some. But Nate is not one of those guys, man. That was probably the most impressive part of this tape. I was watching him do working against hitches and comebacks and short breaking routes. And I'm just like, that kid can really change direction, put his foot in the ground and explode back towards his of scrimmage about as anybody, well as anybody in the class. So he's, he's my top corner on the board. I, I would be very, I think he's going to go top 15. I would be okay with drafting him top 10. I think he is extraordinary. When you talk about the movement skills, the tenacity, the only thing I need for him and, and just moving forward, this isn't a thing that he's going to prove at the combine necessarily, unless he comes in about 10 pounds heavier, but just want him to get stronger. You know, he's only about 185 pounds. I think that his play strength can improve. I think he can become more of an asset against the run game, which he's, 
you know, probably a little below average right now. But as a coverage player, that kid has every tool in the toolbox that you look for and say that kid's going to be a cornerback one on the next level and a very good one. Ryan, what about Jeremiah Trotter Jr., a linebacker that I feel like is kind of polarizing, and maybe it's even shifted more towards people who just aren't really in love with with his skill set and what he does. Where do you stand on Trotter? And and I think he's fallen out of a lot of you know first round mocks, but is this still a this guy who's going to be a day two uh, pick for sure? I, I predict him to go on day two. Yes, I, I think that he will because I do think that he brings just a good baseline of traits to the table. You know, he is a kid that has played a lot of football over the last two years and has been very productive. He's a pretty powerful kid, despite not having the biggest frame in the world. And he is very, very instinctive. It just, he's one of those guys that just always seems to be in the right spot. And he has the NFL bloodlines, which, you know, can be overstated at times, but I do think it matters, Brad. Like I do, if you ask me, you know, is it better to have a, football lineage and football genetics, I mean, it matters for sure. And, and him being, you know, I'm right outside of Philadelphia, so I spent a lot of time watching Jeremiah Trotter growing up, and he was obviously an excellent football player. So I think all those things work in the Jeremiah's favor. I will say I'm a little bit less high than a lot of people, I think, on Jeremiah, just because I do think there are some limitations. I, I don't necessarily see a great athlete overall. I think he's a solid for NFL standards. But I do, I do kind of – I think that there is going to be some parts of his game that don't translate as well to the next level. Like him being a really good blitzer at Clemson, that's awesome. But I, in the NFL, it's a little bit more of a cat-and-mouse game in the sense that they're going to isolate him in coverage and get him to have to work in man at times, but definitely as a zone dropper. And I just don't think he's very comfortable in coverage overall. So I think there are some limitations to him. But is he going to be drafted on D2? I firmly believe so. And I do think that at least – He'll be a solid player in the NFL. There might be some limitations, but he he does bring a very nice baseline to the table. Speaking of day two, you've got three defensive linemen from Clemson in this draft with Xavier Thomas, uh, Tyler Davis, and Ruka Rororo, two of those guys inside and, of course, Thomas outside. Do you feel like they show – I mean, they they were in college forever, it feels like. So the the (laughs) film is immense – but do you find there's things they can do with the combine to sort of maybe solidify themselves as day two guys? Well, I, I think I think Rook is definitely going to go to day two, I, and I, I love the last name. I always be joking about it, but Aurora, I feel like we're just a it's a great, it's a great tongue twister a little bit, man. It's really fun. Um, I even joke with my co-host that we need to say it in like a Scooby Doo impression, and it, it would just roll off the tongue. But I think Rook's going to go day two just because you just look. You're always looking for traits. You're always looking for upside. You're always looking for developmental potential. And I think that Rook, although he was very productive at Clemson the last two years and for what they asked him to do, I still think there's a lot of upside there, man. Like I think, I think some people are forgetting about him a little bit just because he is a name that we've known now for several years. But I watch him, and I'm just like, that kid is really gifted. He's winning off of just overall athleticism and strength and, and all the physical profile you really like. But a technical, from the technical side, I still think there's a ton that he could get better at. So I look at Rook and I'm like, that kid's a day two. I, I, I would say a day two lock at this point. Like I would be shocked if he gets out of the out of the late second rounds because I think a team's going to draft him and know that yes, he can play for you, but he could be a lot better than he is personally, right? So I'm a, I'm a big fan of Rook. I think he's going to end up being one of the values of the defensive line in the 2024 class because I think that the NFL is going to be higher on him than what the media is. The media is not going to hype him up as much just because he's kind of a known commodity. And the production was 
was good but not great over the last couple of years, but I really think the NFL values him a lot. The other two guys are just – they're a little polarizing too. Like Tyler Davis has been ultra-productive when he's been healthy. He's obviously had a little bit of durability issue, but he just doesn't have the greatest NFL skill set in terms of he's a shorter-armed guy, he's a little bit sawed off, he's, he might just be a little bit limited. So I actually think that Tyler – it's probably going to go somewhere on day three, just because I think that his upside is a little bit limited to his size profile. And then, unfortunately, for Xavier is, and everybody knows Xavier. I mean, literally, we we shot about Xavier Thomas during his 2018 true freshman season, right? During that magical season for Clemson, it's just the injuries, right? Like it's the durability stuff. Unfortunately, he he went to the East West Shrine. I thought he had a pretty good week, but he measured in sub six two, 240 something pounds. He's a little bit of a smaller guy, just in general. But I really think, unfortunately, because I'll be in the combine next week, but I have to think, I would be surprised if Xavier Thomas doesn't have some issues with the medicals. I mean, that's just speculation on my part. But he has had just such a long list of durability concerns that I think is going to limit him, going to push him down the board a little bit. So out of those three, I think Rook's probably the only one that goes on day two. But I do think that you'll get tremendous value with Tyler Davis as just kind of a good rotational player on day three. And then Xavier Thomas, if he can ever stay healthy, I still think he has upside to bring to the table. It's just we haven't seen him enough for Clemson the last couple of years. Ryan Roberts joining us live here on the show this morning. Catch him at Rise and Draft uh, recruiting and does a great job on the first team pod. Uh, you and Joe DeLeon, y'all do a great job. and uh, I, I, I love your back and forth. Y'all are, y'all are great. But, uh, <laughs> in terms of – y'all crack me up so much. Uh, in terms of the – uh, Will Shipley running back position. It's such a hard position, to, I guess, probably for you to sort of put in context because of how NFL teams approach him. Where do you have Will Shipley, and, and what can we expect to see from him in terms of, of uh, how other teams or how teams are going to treat him? Yeah, I, I, I have Will as a fourth-round grade, and I think that he probably will go. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if he sneaks on to late day two somewhere. Like, if he's a third-round pick, I wouldn't be shocked. But I think it's going to be somewhere from the third to fifth round range, somewhere in that ballpark. Because when Will's been good and healthy and, and playing alongside some pretty good players, he's he's been ultra productive, man. I mean, especially 2022. I know 2023 was a little bit banged up and a little bit more, you know, inconsistent from a production perspective. But the kid brings this a very good level baseline to the table. He is a hard runner. He's an explosive downhill kid. He's got a pretty good second gear as well. I think that he can create some explosive plays. I just think that he's a little bit of a – he's a little bit of a – I don't want to say limited because that's not the right term, but he's a player that I think is a little bit more of a downhill you know, plugger, a little bit of a guy that wants to get just downhill in a hurry yeah. than a player that's going to make you miss in space a ton. Like I just don't see necessarily that twitch out in space a lot from him. But if you are a inside zone, even outside zone system that is just going to kind of let him wait patient front side and then explode down the, you know, vertically – I think that he can bring a lot of nice baseline to the table. So I think he's a committee back at the next level. I think it's a good baseline. I don't think he ever developed necessarily into the you know, top-level prospect that maybe we thought he could be, definitely as a high school senior, as a five-star, but even into his freshman year. But ultimately, I do think that he has a nice baseline, a nice floor that he brings to the table that will help him be a, a good part of a committee approach at the next level. Ryan, see if I'm tracking here with this. Around here, we, we view Spencer Rattler probably different than scouts do because I think when you watch the film on him and you evaluate him, I'm assuming you have to throw out a lot of things. You have to take into account 
the offensive line play and it being one of the worst in, in P5 probably the last couple of years and just the, yep. the talent around him. So when you evaluate Spencer Rattler, what are the challenges with that and then how does he stack up and compare to the other quarterbacks in this class? Oh, man, you want to talk about varying opinions? I think Spencer Rattler is, like, maybe the top quarterback in this class as far as varying opinions, maybe outside of, like, J.J. McCarthy out of Michigan. Spencer, the best of him, is probably a late first-round pick. I mean, there's not many kids in this class. I I mean, outside of Caleb Williams, there might not be a more gifted thrower in this class. I mean, he has a conversation with Drake May and, and those guys. But Spencer just is so maddeningly inconsistent, man. And, and yes, there's context, like you're saying. There's a bad offensive line. There's an inconsistent scheme in general. There was one good wide receiver on this team this past year in Xavier Leggett because, you know, Antoine uh, Juice Wells was out and then Jaheim Bell transferred before the season. So some context there for sure. But, man, he makes some bad decisions at times. Like, it is just, like, head-shaking, man, where you're just like, he could be great for two quarters, you know, several drives in a row where you're like, that looks like the Spencer Rattler. We thought we were going to get when he was early in his retro freshman season in Oklahoma, but then he just a complete, you know, 180. And then you're just kind of like, uh, you're grasping for straws a little bit. I mean, even at, even at the senior bowl, man, it's like he has a really good week for the most part. He had a nice, he had a nice performance in the, in the, um, in the actual game. I think it was like six, uh, four for four for like 60 something yards and a touchdown. But then you're watching the team period during one practice where you're like, Okay, good read, like three good reads in a row. And then he just throws a, just a, a bonehead interception, man, where it's just like that's not a great defensive play. That was just you not being able to understand underneath coverage and just yeah, just so inconsistent. So ultimately, I would be okay taking a gamble on him in the late day two range. Like if I'm a quarterback needy team in the third round that has a stopgap, that has a guy that could be a bridge, I would be okay taking a chance on Spencer. But we have to understand that this is a volatile player. Either Spencer Rattler could eventually be a low-end starting quarterback, or he could be out in the NFL in four or five years. Like, I just don't think there's much in between on Spencer, unfortunately. He's very talented. But when you're talking about a kid that's probably going to start out his career as a backup, you need that baseline. You need that foundational, you know, that floor, if you will. And I don't think he really brings that to the table, man. He still brings upside, but he's just a volatile player overall. I think that makes a lot of sense to me. Ryan, uh, we really appreciate your time. You always bring great insight. Maybe we can get you on again before the draft or, or maybe post-combine. We can talk about maybe how some of these quarterbacks looked uh, coming out of it. Not that many of them are going to actually throw nowadays. But still, <laughs> we, we we tend to learn a, a little bit more as we go through the process. But I want to thank you for your time today. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, at RiseInDraft. That's the letter N, at RiseInDraft. He's Ryan Roberts. You do a great job, my friend. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week and we'll talk to you down the road absolutely brad thank you as always man have a good one thank you appreciate you ryan always good to catch up with him when we come back let's discuss some of the things that ryan had to say we'll talk some more draft and we got daniel shirley coming up in top of the next hour don't go anywhere hey there tiger fans get ready for an action-packed weekend that promises thrills and excitement this weekend the clemson tigers look for a win as they face off in a three-game series against the Kennesaw State Owls. Broadcast begins Friday at 4.30, Saturday at 1.30, and Sunday at 1.30. Tune in so you don't miss any of the action. All right here. We are 105.5 and 97.5 The Roar, where every day is game day. Hey guys, did you go up a pant size over this winter? Shed that weight with semi-glutide from Low Country Mail. 
It reduces cravings, lowers A1C, and lets you lose weight with no strict diets or exercise. All plans include primary care, labs, medication, and more. No long-term contracts, just straightforward pricing. Proven results make men men again. LowCountryMail.com The floors in your kitchen, den, and bedrooms all have an appropriate hardwood, tile, or carpeted surface. As it stands right now, the concrete floors in your garage, patio, or mechanical room are left exposed. At Iron Drive Floor Coatings, we can give those spaces the attention they deserve with the installation of our highly reviewed epoxy coatings. I'm Jake Wilson, owner of Iron Drive Floor Coatings. Our team can finally transform your home's concrete surfaces. Schedule a free quote today at irondrivegaragefloors.com. Tired of going out to eat and paying $10 to $20 for a meal, let alone breakfast? If for some reason you haven't heard the news yet, our good friends at Wendy's have the best valued breakfast around. Their two for three dollars Biggie bundle includes two of either sausage biscuit, egg and cheese biscuit, small seasoned potatoes, or medium hot coffee. Two items, three dollars, great food, greater value. Check out our Wendy's breakfast if you haven't already. Your bank account will thank you later. I'm Richard Thompson of Thompson & King Law Firm, and I believe that every person has a God-given desire to work. That's why I take Social Security and workers' compensation cases very seriously, because most folks don't really want to think they're disabled. They hesitate to file for disability, and when they're turned down, they hesitate to appeal their case. But they are disabled. If you're presently unable to work on a daily basis, even if you don't fully understand the cause, come see me. I'll take your case seriously. I know you do. The Thompson & King Law Firm, 222-0200, or online at thompsonking.com. Sitting here today with our good friend, Gary Mahaffey of Insurance for Seniors and Disabled. Gary, texter asks, Walt, I screwed up waiting on my insurance company to sign a new contract with my hospital doctors and they failed. Can Gary help me? Texter, you are far from being the only person who did this. I have a high probability of being able to help you, but time is of the essence. I need you to contact me right away at 864-307-8484 to resolve this dilemma. There you go, listener. You need to move on this and call Gary today at 864-307-8484. Again, 864-307-8484. And remember, the Gary represents the seven largest Medicare insurance companies in approximately 125 different plans. In the unlikely event that you would want another company's plan, Gary will still shepherd you through SHIP or Medicare to accomplish that goal. Bosch is hosting a direct hire event for maintenance technicians at 1100 Scottsbridge Road in Anderson on Tuesday, February 27th from 9 to 2. Recently increased pay rates and multiple shifts. Learn more and RSVP at hdijobs.com backslash Bosch. Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? Brakes? We can save you 15% on that. We have OE quality Duralast brake pads and rotors in stock, ready for pickup or delivery. We also have calipers, brake fluid, tools, and anything else you'll need to do the job right. When you get Duralast pads and rotors together, you'll save 15%. It's just part of what makes us America's number one brakes destination. Press box with Brad and John. It makes it more competitive. The perfect way to get through your morning. Every time he opens his mouth, something irritating comes out. Weekdays from 9 to noon on The Roar. Where every day is game day.
Before we get back to NFL draft conversations, the future of the college ball playoff conversations, let's do a positive spin here, John. What just came out this morning from our friends at EA Sports? Well, you know who's in the game, Brad? Who? Everybody. Yes! All 134 FBS teams will be in the game. We have seen Clemson announce on social media that they will be in the game. We have seen South Carolina announce. We've seen Kennesaw State announce that they will be in the game. Brad, all 134 FBS teams will be in the game. Shout out Sanders Sullivan. Shout out Sanders today because tomorrow we are going to have beef with Sanders as the Clemson Tigers take on the Kansas State Owls in baseball. I, and also, I, I can also, never have beef quick, with Sanders ever. Not directly with Sanders, with his employer. But not only that, Brad, we have baseball tickets to give away Ooh. for tomorrow's game. Today or tomorrow? Are we giving them away today? We're or giving tomorrow? them away today for tomorrow's game. Ooh. Just, just putting that out there. Hour three? Hour three. Stay tuned if you want to go to. Clemson, Kennesaw State tomorrow. But do you realize what this means, John? That all the years, the 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 long wait will end. Like we we questioned it. Not gonna lie. Up until what a week or two ago, we were still saying, "Ah, we'll believe it when we see it." But it's happening. College football twenty five is coming. I read that uh, more than eleven thousand players are signing up. The players, by the way, are receiving for compensation of being in the game $600 and a free copy. So I would, you want to put me in the game, I'll take $600 on a free copy. I'll just take a free copy. Yeah, you, that, know, you don't pay me $600. Yes. They should put us in the game. We should have a, a, a press box uh, element added. So, like, to, when you come out of your game and you're back in the main menu as you're advancing the weekend dynasty, you hear us on there like, yes. well, what a poor performance by the dogs this weekend. They uh, just looked awful. Our ACC power rankings starting at number nine. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, I do think this is huge news today that players begin the sign-up process and they're expecting... I mean, 11,000 is a lot of players. I, I think we're going to get pretty much... We're going to get the game we were hoping for. I think that's what the storyline is. The teams are in there. The players are signing up. The schools are in a full agreement. It's all come together. Now just give us a product worth a dang, and we'll be quite happy. So looking forward to this. Big news. So if you're on social media and you see your favorite team posting something like College Football 25, that's what it is. They are in the game. 654-ROAR. You want to get in the press box. We'd love to hear from you. Dave in Simpsonville's up next. Hey, Dave, how are you? I'm doing great, doing great. Uh, I called you all because I've never, I don't think I've ever pulled for a player so much as I am for Xavier Thomas and what he's been through. And he got married this year, and he just put in so much work. I'd love to see him drafted in late second, early third round. I really, I just pull for the guy. I mean, I feel for him. Yeah, I hear you, Dave. I I don't know if that I've come around on a player as much as I have Xavier Thomas because I think it, early on it was just like, man, if he could just get his head straight, if he could, if he get out of the doghouse, if he could do things the way he needs to do them, then maybe he reaches you know some of his potential. And just for a while there, I just didn't think it was going to happen. And then he he grew up. You know, he matured. He went through. Some tough times, went through some health problems. He overcame them. He went through some some you know mental um, 
you know, just stuff, just having to deal with so much injury and just whether or not he was ever going to really get to play. And he's talked about all that kind of stuff. He's had to overcome a lot, depression and whatnot. And he's come out on, on the good side of of all of that. And you just applaud the human being that is Xavier Thomas, no matter what happens in his football career, uh, to be able to overcome those things. When I, I think it would have been understandable to give up, you know, and the, and he never did. He could have transferred out. He could have done a million different things. He stayed the course, and I think he's a good example uh, to point to for a lot of situations. Oh, yeah, I agree. And and one more thing, I think steal the draft is going to be. Uh, I hate to say it, but Spencer Rattler. I think he is Ooh. going to be the steal of the draft. Okay, you might be right. Thanks, Dave, for the call. I appreciate you getting in. I could see that happening for this reason, John. I think Rattler has starting qualities in the NFL. I would I, agree with that. I, there are things now, is Ryan Roberts right? Ryan Roberts saw the things that we've discussed for years about Spencer Rattler, right? Like just the, the head scratching, what are you doing throwing it into that coverage? How did you not see the linebacker? How did you not see the safety? It was, I thought the way he put it was just extremely accurate about watching Spencer Rattler, that he'll make three incredible plays in a row, three correct reads, and then there's one you're like, wait, what? Why? Why did you do that? It's it's just been it sort of plagued his whole career, but it is the ups that you 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 have to look at when you're trying to be positive and evaluate a, a prospect. And I just think that he's going to get the opportunity when some guys who have been who maybe had a career arc the way he's had it. And and I mean, let's face it, John, South Carolina stunk for him, like from a from a. Putting him in the right position to be successful, you cannot be successful with that offensive line, period. That stunk for him because I, I think he would have showcased more of what he could do. Or you could look at it as he had he had to manufacture so much of the offense by himself that maybe that actually did help his NFL stock. But he didn't get the benefit of like what Caleb Williams got to play in, you know, in, in his Heisman winning year. He didn't get the benefit of of the weapons that Michael Penix Jr. had all over that receiving core, Bo Nix and that offensive line and that, you know, that running game. He never had any of that. Never had a run game. But I don't think he's that far off. I don't think from so. Michael either. Penix and Bo or um, yeah, Penix and Bo Nix. I, um, I just don't think he is. I'm not sure about Penix, but definitely Bo Nix. I think with both of them, we've kind of seen the entirety of their, you know, what they can do. If I'm a team, though, that is struggling at kind of trying to fill some holes right now, and I need to take a quarterback like Ryan was talking about, you know, late day two, early day three, Spencer Rattler would be my guy over Bo Nix. Okay. Because as we have seen, when Bo Nix does not have everything around him, Auburn, no offense, didn't go as well. He had to try to do too much. He had to try to carry everything and force the offense to work. It didn't go as well. Oregon, everything just it was built for him perfectly. It was, and he all, but he also thrived. Oh, I mean the efficiency. There was not a more efficient quarterback in the country last no year. No question. But if I'm an NFL team that needs to be taking a quarterback at that spot, and I have numerous holes across my offense in the roster there, I would lean Rattler over him because I know that he can do more with less. But if you're taking a quarterback at that spot, you've probably already addressed a couple of your biggest offensive needs. You think that you have. Whether it's your line, whether it's receiver, you've probably already done some of that. 
But I think that he he Spencer Rattler deserves an opportunity in the NFL. I think he'll yes. get the opportunity in the NFL. And I just think that when you go back and you watch, you know, like scouts who rewatch it, you see the pressure, the amount of, of pressure. How many times did the play break down before Spencer Rattler could even try to make a play? Do you, I mean, all we have to do is go back to week one. The South Carolina offensive line made the North Carolina pass rush look like the O2 Baltimore Ravens. I mean, they, they couldn't block. I mean, no. remember we, we came in that week was, did North Carolina figure out the defense? Turns out they hadn't at all. Yeah. They were just playing South Carolina. I just feel like I'm, I'm higher on Spencer Rattler than I thought I would be because of what he had to play with and what, what he had to overcome. You know, Ryan said it great there. Some of the scheme challenges, you know, the inconsistencies in scheme. Remember, remember Satterfield trying to draw up ball plays and, and it's, it, everything changed halfway through the season? They changed their entire offensive complexion halfway through 2022. Just up and changed it. And, and last year, he had Leggett and nothing else. I mean, dog nothing else. Yep. And no run game to rely on, no offensive line, and very little playmaking beyond Leggett. G. Swalls was on the bench, and Jaheim Bell was in Tallahassee. And he's still an NFL prospect. So there's, that means there's still a lot of uh, there's still a lot that he can do, I think, and improve. Now, what what the ceiling is, some of that's wore off, right? Like you've been in college so long, some of your ceiling is is found out by now. I also think some of the ceiling is going to be dependent on where he goes. I don't see why he can't be a day two. I, I mean, I, I know that's that's a lot, maybe in, in some eyes, and he might fall into that early day three category. But I I don't see why some team that already addresses a need or two and still has some question marks at quarterback, why they don't maybe roll the dice in late second round. When you say day two, are you leaning like into the third round of day two? or I think, I think it could be late, late uh, second round pick. Late second? Yeah. Okay. I, I think that might be sort of my ceiling for him. I don't, I don't think he's a first-round quarterback. I don't think there's but... I think there's three. I, I think there's three, and there's probably going to be four to six taken. We'll see. I, I I don't believe that at this point in time, but I understand that's where the narrative is right now in mock yeah. drafts and things like that. You're seeing anywhere from four to six in the first round. I I know, I, and and I know quarterbacks always get pushed up. They always get pushed up. They always get pushed up. I know. I just th- I think this year might be after you get through the first three, you're going to go. I'll wait. I'll get them tomorrow. I'll just wait. I, th- I think you're going to see some of that, but. I'm usually wrong on that because, like you said, it could it's a wide range there between four and six. But I think I think Rattler's going to get some real opportunities, and I and I hope he does. I hope he does. I think I, I think too. he can. I think he could carve out a niche in the NFL for himself. Absolutely, I think he has earned the opportunity. I, I would like to see him go out there and get it. With about a minute left here before we go to Daniel Shirley, and top of the hour, what will keep him from succeeding in the NFL? Um, not cutting out those bad reads, the the bonehead picks, the why are you throwing into a compromising situation? The yeah, because you try doing that in the NFL, it's going to get picked off all the time. Are you worried about his size? He's not, not, not a, really that tall. He's only I think he's a little under six one. Um, it's not at the top of the list of concerns for me with Spencer Rattler now. Hand size. I don't, I don't, I don't even know what his hand size is. Oh, we'll get into that next week. That, that's the, the press box hand size special. We will get into that. <laughs> no, we won't. <laughs> we'll just gloss over it because people say mean things when we talk about hand size. 
Also true. I don't like it. Uh, I'm trying to say nice things about Spencer Rattler today. But, yeah, I think I think you're probably right. Some of the Reed stuff and, and maybe some of the limited the limited athleticism. You know, like he's just not – he's not Jaden Daniels. No, he, he, <laughs> he, he's not Drew Bledsoe, but you're right. He's not Jaden Daniels. He, like, he can move around in the pocket, but – He can move the pocket around. He's not going to reel off huge gains. He's not going to be like a, a breakdown and takeoff kind of running quarterback. All right, coming up next, Daniel Shirley from TheAthletic.com will join us to kick off hour number three on a Thursday after this. WCCP-FM 105.5, Clemson, Greenville-Anderson, WAHT-AM 1560, Cowboy.